Today on Lockdown Red Wings, we're going to discuss Philip Zadina's new contract and the interesting little article that Chris Pronman of The Athletic posted just this past weekend. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the uh, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. Uh, I'm a podcast producer for WWJ News Radio 950. Almost a podcast producer for Lockdown Red Wings, which is technically still true. True. I do, I do produce for us. True. Uh, and Scotty is the host over at Lockdown Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And first things first, we'll, we'll talk at, right out the gate of this about this. Philip Zadina got a new three-year contract. We're going to discuss it. Um, but then also Corey Pronman of the athletic came out with a article ranking the un best under 23 players and prospects in the NHL. That's what the title is. I struggled with the cold open several times, guys. Full disclosure. Everybody, so everybody's cheated. Take a end. guess and say out loud how many times you think it took Brian to get through the cold open. Everybody just take, take a guess. Okay. It was. Was it six or seven? It, it was at least six, maybe seven. It yeah, was really it was. I think it was six at, at the at the lowest. It was yeah. six. Yeah, yeah. It was it was rough. It was a rough one. It usually it, it ne he never gets it in the first one, but it usually is like a two or three. This was a this was an all timer. I got it in the first time um, on Friday though. I remember you we did. Had, we were excited about that. I was, I was very excited about that. I remember. Um, but over the weekend, literally as I was driving up north to the UP, so I couldn't tweet my reaction to it or anything, uh, the Red Wings announced a new contract for Philip Zadina. It is a three-year contract where he is making uh, 1.825 a season. There is no no-trade clause, no no-movement clause, and his salary changes per season his first year. Uh, his salary is nine hundred fifteen thousand, which is uh, less than a hundred thousand more than he was making. Actually, uh, correction, that's technically less than what he was making on his entry level contract for this first year of the contract. Uh, but years two and three are progressively more. It's one point eight three million in year two, two point seven three million in year three. But overall, across if you just average it out, it's one point eight two five per season. And you know. I'm I'm looking at this contract and I'm fine with it. I mean, again, he's 22 years old. Yeah, he technically has four years of NHL experience. And those are in air quotes because uh, his first year was an entry level slide because he didn't play enough games for it to start his entry level clock. Uh, years two, three and four years, two and three were shortened COVID seasons. And year four was the first year he had at a full NHL level. So he's still an RFA at the end of this three years. Um, so two and three year contract was really like the perfect length to give Philip Zadina as a prove it. And you know what? He's still an RFA. So if you're still unsure of him afterwards and you, but you still want to keep him around, you can give him another bridge deal into his UFA years because he's still going to be an RFA. I think the years are good and I think the money is good. Yeah. I mean, this is anything that, that happens with Philip Zadina is obviously always very big news. I, I think that he, 
I'm, I'm totally fine with the deal. And, and I, and I enjoy the fact that there is uh, a lack of no movement clauses within the deal. So that if we do get two years down the road, you know, and it's, it's looking bleak for the future of him and more and more people start to give up on him, then, you know, we, we have that ability to, to do something about it. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, this might help, I guess, like in my head, like this might help. And it, not in the sense of like, oh, you know, he, he's got a long-term deal and he's just going to start magically living up to all these expectations. But like at the end of the day, I don't know, maybe it injects some like confidence into him. <laughs> like I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I want him to be good so badly. Like I, I want him to live up to what we thought we were going to get out of him so badly. And it's just, it's a constant cycle of like, oh, he scores once and we're like, oh, and then he doesn't score for a month and a half. And we're like, okay, well, there goes that. And then he'll score. We go, oh, no, is, is, is it finally happening? And then it doesn't. <laughs> and it's just, it's tiring and it's exhausting. And, and I'm just hoping that this deal can maybe shine some light on on some confidence within him and and whatnot because we we continue to point to that and did throughout the season um that that might be one of the the, the bigger issues going on with him so maybe a long-term deal kind of helps with that i don't know I, I i also might just be grasping at straws and it might just be like i'm just trying to find any excuse to get good to remain excited about this kid but i i i'm pleased that they got a deal done i like the deal the details are all fine and uh, and yeah, I'm I'm pumped. Well, and like you said, with this move, the Red Wings have no one left on their roster that needs a new contract as of this season. Obviously, you want to get the extensions of Larkin and Bertuzzi done, but they're still under contract for this year. I do think that the first year base salary, and this is probably me just looking too far into it. I don't you know know the actual details as to why it's a progressive climb, but if I were to have take a guess, I would imagine that. You know, this first season at 915000 which is technically an increase from his third and final year, but a decrease from years one and two on his entry-level contract. Because year three, he only made 832000 but years one and two, he made nine hundred twenty-five. But that was because signing bonuses kind of kicked that up a little bit. Um, it's just a slight increase over year three on his entry-level contract, and I think that's a little bit of an indictment on his play. I think that's saying you didn't really yeah. earn a big, a big increase, but... We're going to give you increases in pay years two and three because we think that you can become a better player worthy of that. And we, we've talked on end about Philip Zidian. He's the most polarizing player to talk about. We want to talk about root for radio or root for podcast, root for numbers. You just talk Philip Zidina. You there, there are three players on this roster you talk about if you want a view views explosion. It's, it's Philip Zidina. It's the two rookies and Zidina. It's, it's Cider, <laughs> last year's rookie, Raymond. Probably. And Zidina, those are the three players you got to talk about to get views. So with when you talk about Zidina, because he's so polarizing, like it's just it's so tough. Because yes, he has production-wise underperformed what people have wanted him to be up until this point. What even I have wanted him to be up until this point. But he's been playing in a system that doesn't necessarily play to his strengths. He's been playing on a team that hasn't had the depth to play to his strengths. So I feel like this is a very fair contract to give him where the with the base salary raising every single year. 
The expectation of him raises every single year. With a new system, a new coach, and a deeper team, it's almost like Steve Eiserman is saying, we expect, and he should be saying this, we expect more out of you each consecutive year until this contract expires. And again, he'll still be a restricted free agent at the end of this. He'll be arbitration eligible at the end of this, but he'll be a restricted free agent. So even if, you know, even if he shows up and shows out and has a phenomenal, you know, next three years, he's still an RFA. So you still have the cards in your hand, you know? So that's, that's a phenomenal thing to have is this guy has the makings of a great NHL player still. And there's no denying that. It's just if he can figure it all out at the NHL level. And I don't think that it's 100% on him. I think he was at the NHL level too early because this team was so desperate for not just like butts in the seat, but just talent on the ice that I think it kind of screwed his development up. Unfortunately, Jeff Blaschel, who was regarded as a development wizard, it felt like every player that he was supposed to develop didn't really develop at, to the level we expected him to. So... It's just, I, I think it's been one thing over another, over another that I am still willing to give. I'm willing to give Phil, Phil Zadina till the end of this contract to see what he's really got. Cause again, he's only 22, only well, 22. It takes some players five years to really break out in the NHL. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I can promise you this fan base is not giving him till the end of the deal. I, I, I can promise you that. I, I get but... the frustration. I really do. No, for sure. And, and, and I'm not saying you're, you're wrong in that assessment either. I think that, I would um, – I'm probably in a in a similar boat unless he's just terrible. You know what I mean? Like if it's if it's zero steps forward the first two years, then like I'm not going to expect any big step forward in year three. But he – I think people are already like tired of predicting the breakout year with him. I think we're all pretty much at a point where it's like, okay – I think everybody still believes there's something in there that can still be a really good NHL player, but everybody is also in the, okay, you have to show me at this point. It's a, it's a see it to believe it kind of a, uh, an assessment at this point with him and three-year deals that aren't very expensive. Like this is, this, this is the right decision is, yes. is what I'm trying to get at. This is the right move. This is, well, you can bail on him and, and move him by the end over this contract if you're not pleased with it but he's still very young you're giving him the opportunity to still prove himself and just where the team is at this is now this is the least amount of pressure Phillips Dina has ever had in his entire maybe professional career to be good yeah like maybe in his entire life maybe his entire hockey career since like you know, he, he started playing like peewees at like age, age eight. Like this is maybe the least amount of pressure he's ever had on him, like on the ice to be like the dude and, and, and go out there and really perform that he has ever had because the team is at the NHL level. This is the best NHL team he's ever been on. So I, I think that it's a good situation for him. If he ever was going to flourish, this is the time. Um, but, uh, you know, very much still a see it to believe it kind of a thing. Yeah, uh, and I, we got to get to a, a ad read here, but I guess I just want to finish off on this. One, I am completely 100% on board with everything you just said, but I, I get the frustration because I've been there. There have been moments, we probably talked two weeks ago, where I was like, this is a you know a, a prove-it year for Zadini. He's got to prove it this year, where in reality, it's just like, no, it really isn't. It's just, and this is me going back and forth because he's so polarizing that I'm just myself. Like, 
he's a bust. He's really good. I mean, he has the tools. He's just got to utilize it. But more so than ever before, I think, and like you were saying, I think he's in a position to succeed. And I'm with a three-year contract, I'm willing to wait it out to see. Because at the end of that, he's only 25. He'll only be 25. I mean, there's still so much time left in his career for him to become an NHL player. And when we come back, we'll talk about Corey Pronman of The Athletic and his article ranking the best NHL players and prospects under 23. But first, we got a message from NHTSA. Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit? It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is your reaction time slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If, you're, if you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Let's move on, Scotty, now to, unless you, you, you don't, Phillips, did anything? I think so, man. I, 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 I just, I, I want to, yeah, like it, it was, uh, I think it's the right thing to do. I Contract think it, is good. Yes, I, I think that it's it's the right amount of money. It's the right length. I think it would have been foolish to value-wise to trade him right now. You wouldn't have gotten anything that would have uh, really justified giving up on him this early. I think this is the, the exact right thing to do. So, yeah. Yeah, so with that being said, we'll move on to Corey Pronman of The Athletic and his article talking about the rank, ranking the best NHL players and prospects under 23 and Scotty, I know you got the whole list in front of you. And they, if you're a Red Wings fan, you got to be pretty excited about this because we talk a lot about the increase on depth, a lot of the young talent in the NA, in the Red Wings prospect pool and who's already on the roster as well. And if you just read this article by Corey Promen, there's a lot to be excited for, not just for this season coming up, but just the years coming. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, very, very good article on the athletic is awesome. So be sure to support the athletic, but um, it's, I think I mean, there's a lot of stuff to talk about within it. I think the, if we just want to stay on brand really quick and, and just continue the conversation from segment one um, it's, they go all the way to, he goes all the way to like 170. I want to say on ranking these um, Philip Zadina comes in at 80. So on this 23 and under top 170, right, players and prospects, Zadina is currently ranked at 80. Um, I think that's too, th th there's something to be said about that too, is the fact that he has been in, with the Red Wings, on the Red Wings roster in some capacity for four seasons, and he can still be listed in the under 23, you know, rankings, along with the likes of your rookies, more outside of Lucas Raymond and, Simon Edmondson. I, I just, I cannot emphasize enough how young Philip Zidina is. Like when you talk about him, that you have to emphasize. He's so young still. Yeah. And, and one of the lines in the analysis from uh, Corey is he's a tough case because I think he's a player full of skill and offensive creativity who can score goals. Um, but the production just isn't there. And yeah. that's pretty much what we're, we've been all saying since he got the call up. Right. Um, so, Definitely a uh, when you're looking at this list, if you look at the people around him, it gives you like where and when they were drafted. And at 78, you have Cam York from Philly, drafted 14th overall in 2019. Uh, Braden Schneider from the Rangers, drafted 19th in 2020. 
Then you have Zadina, who was a sixth overall pick in 2018. And then, like, 81, you have uh, who? Uh, Nathan Goucher from Anaheim is 82. I mean, that's, like, 22nd overall. Like, you just are, are – once you get into that range, you're seeing a lot of players, right, that are, like – Oh, we, they were drafted in the teens, 20s range. And then you have like Zadina, who was just outside the top five. So it's very much, uh, I don't know. He's just so polarizing, like you said. It, I, I go back and forth on him uh, all the time. And and I don't want to read the entire analysis and the entire article or anything because I want uh, people to support The Athletic. But um, like one of the lines at the very end even says, I see him on a, being a second line winger, but I'm not ruling out him ending up being better too. And that's just kind of like we're all where we're all at. We're like, oh, you know, who knows? <laughs> yeah, could be anything still. No, yeah, it's completely. I think the consensus on Philip Zidane is he has the potential to be so much more than what he's showing right now. It's just whether or not you have the patience to wait it out and see what he can become. Some people don't have the patience; others do. Some people go back and forth. But that's just Philip Zadina. I think 80th is pretty appropriately ranked. These are by tier, too. Like, these guys are in tiers as well. They're not just one yeah. after another. Once you get to a certain number, it breaks off, right? What tier was Philip Zadina? Uh, Zadina was in the, I believe he was in the bubble. It's, like, mixed in with the uh, names of the players, so it's kind of hard to, like, find exactly. But I believe he was in the tier of, uh, like, bubble top line NHL players. So, oh, like potential to be bubble top line NHL players. So, oh, there you go. He's middle of the lineup player currently or starting goaltender. There you go. I'd be interesting if he became a starting goaltender. That would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. But there are another eight players on this list, Scotty. Why don't you uh, rattle off some of where these guys are at and what we think of that? Well, I think, I mean, the biggest one is Maritz Sider being second on this list is crazy. Out of all players, 23 and under. All players at the NHL level or, you know, just in the organization, if they're a prospect, like everyone who's affiliated with an NHL team that's 23 years old or younger, Moritz Sider is second. Jack Hughes is one. Moritz Sider is two. And then you have like Zegras is three and and so forth. But Moritz Sider from your Detroit Red Wings is second on this list. Very, very cool. You know, the Jack Hughes at one uh, is not really surprising. I I think that people really underrate how dangerous that Devils team is going to be in a short, a few short years. Give them two years. I think, think, and we'll talk about this probably on Friday's episode because we have something lined up for Wednesday's episode um, already. But Corey Promen also came out with the best pipelines for each team, which teams have the best pipelines. And I'm pretty sure the Devils were ranked number one maybe three yeah, they, were, they were really high up there yeah and so they, they were right up there because they have such an impressive collection of yeah, young give them, talent give them two years man that's a and, good that's a really good exciting young team and jack hughes is right right there with them like he finally started to show his stuff this past season uh you know he, he's been getting better his first two seasons with the devils but this year he had over a point per game 56 points 49 game, games 49 games played I believe there were some injury issues there, which is why he didn't play all 82. But when he did play, he was phenomenal. And so Jack Hughes, I mean, to be listed right after a guy who is, you know, looked at to be the best young player, 23 or under, Moritz Sider is getting a lot of credit after just one year in the NHL. And that's that's the reoccurring theme I've noticed with a lot of the guys on this list, Scotty, that we haven't gotten to yet, 
is how high the Red Wings players are with how little experience they have at professional levels. I mean, you know, go ahead and list off where Lucas Raymond is, uh, you know, compared to his contemporaries. Right. So that's the, the, I think this is the most fascinating conversation of this entire list. And it's Lucas Raymond is nine. If we look at the 2020 draft, number eight, Tim Stutzla. Number nine, Lucas Raymond. Number 10, Alexis Lafreniere. Uh, and then Byfield is somewhere in the mid-20s, I believe. So yeah. you have all of those dudes are in the top 25, the top four picks in that, honestly, pretty polarizing 2020 draft because that was obviously for us because we fell out of the top three with like the worst NHL team I've ever seen in my life. And then it was a three-man draft and like Lafreniere was built up to be this like huge talent. And Laffey is 10 and Raymond is nine now uh two two years at post draft and Stutzla is eight ahead of everybody uh Byfield has had you know had some injuries early on and LA's got their own stuff going on so it kind of makes sense that he's a little lower down I still really like that kid but it's just it's fascinating that uh those three all happen to line up literally right next to each other uh and Raymond being ahead of the person that went number one overall is pretty exciting yeah so the thing with uh the thing with that is Lafreniere was obviously taking number one overall, no duh, but he's got two years of NHL experience. And in both years, he's really failed to break out. He had 19 goals and 12 assists for 31 points this past year at the very good New York Rangers. So you think that would help him produce more. Meanwhile, in his first year in the NHL, Lucas Raymond posted over 50 goal or 50 points and over 20 goals with the Detroit Red Wings on a much worse Red Wings team. So I think for Red Wings fans, that is an incredibly vindicating thing to see because we all know how we feel about getting screwed in the 2019 draft lot or 2020 rather draft lottery where we didn't get the first overall pick where everyone was hyping up Lafreniere to then fold a four and get arguably the best player so far in that top four. Now, when you're talking about Stutzel, Stutzla, there's definitely an argument on who's better. And I honestly, it's a close argument, but I honestly cannot disagree with the ranking of putting Stutzla above Lucas Raymond at the moment for two reasons. One, Tim Stutzla has one more year of NHL experience than Lucas Raymond. Now, granted, when Tim Stutzla had his rookie season, he only put up 29 points in 53 games played. Whereas uh, Lucas Raymond put up 50 something. But if you look at this year compared to this year, they both put up almost the same goddamn numbers. Yep. You had Moritz, or sorry, Lucas Raymond had 57 points and Stutzla had 58 points. Raymond had 23 goals and Stutzla had 22 goals. Like they were within a point goal and assist of each other the entire season long. But the reason why I give Stutzla the edge is one, he has that extra season of NHL experience. Two, I do think at, as of this moment, he is better defensively than Lucas Raymond. Lucas Raymond, kind of as the season went on, other teams caught on to how he played. And I think his, not just his production, but his defensive zone uh, impact was impacted yeah, for sure. by that. But I'm not saying that Tim, Tim Stutzler is the bona fide better player than Lucas Raymond. But I think given the fact that Stutzler has more experience thus far, that of course he probably is ranked above. Now, both of them deserve to be ranked above uh, Alexis Lafreniere because both of them are heavily outperforming Lafreniere on much worse teams. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I'll be honest. If if Lafreniere was exactly him, but he was drafted eighth, like he would be. I don't think he'd be even really even in this top ten conversation. Yeah. Not that he's been horrific at the NHL level, but he certainly hasn't lived up to um, what was placed on him so far. So, and you know, still very young, and the same old spiel we give with. Uh, a lot of these dudes, there, there's still plenty of opportunity oh, yeah. for him to turn into a to turn into that player that everyone thought he was going to be. But um, yeah, I mean, the it, it's just fascinating that they all ended up right next to each other. And and honestly, I mean, there's an argument that that makes Raymond better than Stutzla. I I, I honestly I would agree with you. I, I would put I would put Tim ahead of of Raymond. But I think the argument that you gave almost makes me think that that leans in the favor of Raymond because he did more than him in his rookie year and you know what I mean like and yeah. did what he did in his rookie year about what Stutzler did in his second year like yeah, I, I hear you. like that that is almost an argument for Raymond in the same breath too so regardless they're all very close and it's a it's gonna be they're always gonna be linked together those top four are just because they was such a polarizing draft those are those four are always going to be linked together and um, it's just interesting to see them on this list all right next to each other like that. Yeah, it's, it's great. I, I'm so excited. I mean, the fact that you have both Raymond and Sider in the top 10 is phenomenal. Awesome. Um, but there's a bunch of, there's a few other players that are listed as well. Uh, was Simon Everton was what? 32. What tier was that? That's what I want to know. Cause you said the top five was like bona fide star tier, right? Yeah. Top five was, um, like borderline elite NHL already. Love that for more Moritz Sider. And Moritz Sider was two on that in that <laughs> year. Um, yeah, Edvinson was 32, which is tier. Man, the tiers are like not out there in the open for everything. Um, top of the line player or top starting goaltender, which obviously he is not. So, Potential to be top of the lineup player is where he falls into that, which I think is pretty That's accurate fair. given what you know we've seen about him and stuff. It's you, you can't just pin superstar potential on everybody, but um, I mean you could. Well, that, I mean you look stupid, but I guess you could. Yeah, I'm used to that. So looking superstar stupid? potential, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, go for it, man. Um, <laughs> so, it, no, it, it's. Uh, I, I really like him around there. Like he's uh, around like Cole Caulfield is, is right around him. I, I think that's a good kind of Jamie Drysdale. I think that's a good kind of conversation for him to be in is with those guys. And uh, it, it's just, I am, I'm so excited for this team's future and I'm so excited for this team's now. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. it's just, I, we haven't really been in a situation where, we are excited about this upcoming season at the NHL level while still being really excited about the future of the team. Like that's a really fascinating and unique place to be in uh, for a fandom of any team in any sport. So I'm, I'm very pumped and, and yeah, Edmondson at 32 with some of those guys around him. Um, very high praise from the athletic, obviously. Yeah. It, it's, it's cool. And I mean, just to knock out where the rest of the Red Wings lie, I guess. So you got, yeah. Marco Casper at 67, Elmer Soderblom at 96, Joe Valeno 122, Jonathan Bergeron 
at 151. And then Sebastian Cosa at 165. I don't have qualms with where any of those players are ranked. Marco Casper, I mean, a lot of people think, a lot of people not think, but um, are, are wondering if that maybe was a little bit of a reach by Steve Eisman. Worked out last time. Uh, but with, I think Bergen and Kosa are probably where people are like, are they underrating these players or should we be concerned? So, so for what it's worth, Wallstead is like in the fifties. Yeah. He's like literally a hundred players higher than Sebastian Kosa. Okay. But like, this is, we knew this on draft yeah. night because yep. the big thing between these two goalies and like, this is going to be the competition because they're the number one, number two goalies in the draft and Kosa went above Wallstat and everyone was like, why did this happen? Everyone knew that Wellstat was the more NHL-ready goaltender now and the more well-rounded goaltender now, but Kosa has an edge on things that Wellstat just physically will not have. Kosa has better athleticism, and he has he has size, and that's something you can't teach. And so Kosa was drafted at 15 as a long-term project. That's why you made the trade for Nadalkovich. That's why you made the trade for Vili Huso. So when you see Kosa at 165, you shouldn't be like, oh my God, it's a... Picks a bust. Like, no, yes, sure. I know he played one game at World Juniors. I know that. But I'm not worried about a goalie because almost one, almost every single goal you draft is a long-term project. And two, like, he still has an incredible amount of talent. Like, he's not so... The reason why they signed Huso Nadalkovic to extensions were because they're not expecting Costa to be here for another three to four years. He's not the goaltender for now. He's the goaltender for the future. Right, it's it's really difficult to rank in a twenty three and under list. It's really difficult to put goalies in there because so many goalies don't turn into exactly. what they're going to be until well after they're twenty three. Right, like he he might not even be in the NHL at twenty three. <laughs> like yeah. seriously, like there's 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 um, it cannot be stressed how much time there is still between today and when Sebastian Kosa will be in a wing wheel. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Now, with the Bergeron thing, though, and I know we got to wrap it up here quickly. Some people are like, oh, they're underrating him. You know, he broke the rookie record for the Griffins. I don't really think that's an underrate. Uh, he had a great he had a great year with the uh, Grand Rapids Griffins. But I think when you're looking at his trajectory um, based on where his contemporaries were and where he was drafted, taken in the draft, I mean, his, he's got contemporaries in the NHL already. And he's still playing at the Grand Rapids level. Of course, is the argument that he could have finished the season with the Red Wings last season, especially with the injuries that the Red Wings had. And Steve Eiserman elected to leave Bergeron down at the AHL level because he didn't see the need to do that to him. But I, I just think that Bergeron, with the tools that he has, I don't think that's a, necessarily a bad ranking. It's not. He's not at 151, and the, the ranking is at, once you get to the bottom of the list that these guys suck. I mean, these are the best players under 23. So the fact that he's on this list at all means that he's an NHL caliber talent. So I don't want I don't want Red Wings fans to look at Valeno at 122, Soderblom at 96, Bergen at 151, and Kosa at 165 and going, this is underrated. They're still on the list for the best under 23 players and prospects. That's still yeah, incredible. You're not going to have eight dudes that are all like going to be 50. first liners. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just not how it works. So yeah, the, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, just I I, I just I just the fact that these guys are on the list is is a great sign. It's a good thing to have. So oh, that's where I, that's where I finished my rant. Yeah. Anything else, buddy? I think that's it. I think that's it too. Uh, make sure you check out more of Corey Pronman's stuff and subscribe to the athletic because uh, he and Max do phenomenal jobs covering both the NHL and Red Absolutely. Wings uh, respectively. 
And um, make sure you check on Lockdown NHL. They make them your second listen. Lockdown ex- experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Lockdown NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. Uh, we will be back Wednesday. I won't say tomorrow. I haven't really decided yet when I'm putting this episode up. It might be a Monday evening. It might be Tuesday at midnight. It goes up when it goes up, but it's going to be one of those. Um, but we'll be back on Wednesday. We're going to, we have a crossover slated with locked on senators. So I'll give you a little bit of the, probably the most heated race outside of the top three in the Atlantic division. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Scotty, any final thoughts, man? Uh, we ball baby. All right. That's it. We'll be back. Same time, same place. It's your team every day, every day.